Well, hi there. Welcome to this week's episode of the Talk and Talk podcast. I'm Mel. I'm your host. And today's episode is a little bit of an emotional one, I think. I found myself kind of drafting a little script for myself because I always like to have a clear idea of where the episode is going, what the purpose is, and what the final lesson or the final goal is after talking about a particular subject and found myself a little emotional as I was drafting it up, which I was not expecting. And the origin of this episode, Becoming Nobody, was me watching one of my favorite tarot readers on YouTube. Yes, I am into tarot. I'm not a professional. I am not incredibly well-versed or to the same level as some tarot readers are. I do, however, own several different decks, which I love with my entire heart and soul. Listen, I really am like fulfilling the stereotype of like the Latina girly pop with like her candles and her little cards. And you know what? Love every second of it. I have no regrets. However, I do like to watch tarot readings on YouTube every once in a while, especially when I don't want to pick up the cards myself or I haven't cleansed them. And I was watching a March reading. I don't watch these monthly. However, I feel drawn to it. So I pick my pile. I start listening to the reading. And I tell you, you guys, I gasped halfway through and I had to stop the video because part of that reading was her mentioning how March was a month for me to become nobody. And at first I was like, bitch, what the hell do you mean? What do you mean become nobody? It sounds terrifying, or at least it did to me. And then she started sort of explaining exactly what she meant by saying that. And a lot of the journey to become nobody, at least what kind of showed up in the reading, was to let go of the labels that I've put on myself, as well as the ones granted to me by others. And it, at the end, was an opportunity for me to become so fluid with my existence. Look at that. We love a good existential question that I wouldn't have to cage myself in any anymore and just do and be whomever and whatever I wanted. And it kind of got me thinking, as all things do, but it particularly got me thinking about how much my life has changed in the past three years, which is, I think, something that I'm going to very much explore in the podcast because I think not only is the podcast a really great way for me to open up to you guys, but to kind of learn new things about myself and have these realizations as I talk and as I talk about very specific subjects and particularly in these past few years, how I've subconsciously started to believe that the person the Panini forced me to be is entirely who I am. And I have a reason to say that, right? I've always been a social person. I have never really had issues with talking to new people, carrying conversations with the people in my life. There's a reason why I do what I do. And you guys know me if you've been on my channel or even if you're listening to this podcast, obviously the title speaks for itself. I talk and I talk and then I talk some more. And so... I've always loved interaction in whatever way that looked like. A lot of my interactions were taking place specifically when I was a a little bit younger, when I was going to international leadership programs or intercollegiate debates, or I was doing theater work, or I was going to makeup events. And I loved that. I loved getting to know new people. I loved getting to know people's stories. And I was just 
fascinated by people, which is why I think my newfound love of literary fiction as a genre has started, because I love to learn what makes people people and kind of the situations, experiences that have shaped them to be who they are. And so... I never really had an issue with going out and socializing, and I would go out all the time. Never to parties or to clubs, because that's never been my scene for sure. Lord knows it makes me way too anxious for it to be a good time. Crowded places are just not my scene. But I would go out to friends' houses, and we would have game nights and movie nights, and we would just hang out and, you know, like, have a little drink and just do regular friend gathering things. I would go out to eat. I would go out to the movies. I would go to the mall. I would constantly have photo shoots as well, whether it was me doing people's makeup or I would be taking pictures. Well, I wouldn't be taking pictures of myself, but I would go out with friends who would help me take pictures for... Instagram or some sort of professional endeavor I had. I would go out again to makeup events that would really allow me to network and meet new people. I would go out grocery shopping. And not only that, but with me being a freelance makeup artist before the world went to shit, if I do say so myself, I was constantly out and about. It was a part of my job to be basically out on the street all day, every single day, because if I wasn't, then I wasn't really making any money. My, my job really relied on me doing customer service, talking to people, doing people's makeups, doing master classes. I was working in store several times, sometimes a month, a week, whenever I had the chance, whenever the brands required it with brands like MAC Cosmetics here in Panama or Clinique, and I loved it. Not only because it allowed me to get out of the house, and by doing that, obviously, build my resume, become a professional, and going to makeup school and going to master classes to learn new skills and really make a living for myself was something that I very much not only felt proud of, obviously, but I also very much loved. And because of that, because of being a freelancer, I had to go to lunch out by myself a lot. And I also fell in love with that, taking myself out for coffee and really just being out and about was something that I really liked the freedom of. I liked more than anything, I guess, the feeling of being independent or being somewhat independent. And it again, gave me a lot of the time, of the social time I needed. And it was the same way with leadership programs. I was volunteering at an NGO, which I absolutely adored. I think their work was fantastic. They were really working to help and empower and bring opportunities to Latino youth in the U.S. and internationally as well, which brought me so much comfort to know that there are organizations out there doing good and that their programs really, really worked. And so I volunteered there a lot. I was doing a lot of staffing or working behind the scenes for the programs. And that also was a very social time for me to go to those meetings, to go to the programs, to meet new kids and hearing about their hopes and their dreams and where they wanted to go and what they wanted to do in college and just really what moved them. I think it was something that I 
very much enjoyed doing, being a part of. I felt like I was making a significant change and impact. And I felt very, very not only happy doing it, but also very accomplished doing it. And that was a lot of my routine, a lot of my life before the panini started. And then the panini started and regulations were put in place. I think it was a period of time that took everyone by surprise. I know it did me. The idea of not being able to go about the routine and about the work that I was so used to doing for three or four years at that time was something that was immensely scary to me. I felt for the first time, even though people in my life had told me, "Mm, you know what, maybe the makeup thing is not going to be that sustainable for you. Have you thought about other things? Because initially I wanted to study law right before I had graduated high school, then I switched to theater and then I switched to makeup. And so people's uncertainties had never really clicked on my brain because, you know, when you're a dreamer and you have hopes and dreams, you're kind of hoping to beat the odds and prove everyone wrong and prove yourself right. And for the very first time, I felt the uncertainty. I felt what everybody was talking about before they even knew or thought of this really massive event happening. And here in Panama, they were very, very strict about what you were able to do and where you were able to go. They were very proactive with that. And even though it did limit us, like it did work. However, You could only go out a few days a week, depending on your gender, which that's a whole conversation in and of itself. And then the hour you could go out in was based on the very last digit of your ID. So they had it regulated. You literally could not go out. You couldn't meet up with anyone unless your last number of the ID matched up and everything was closed. And so... That, by extension, by consequence, meant that I wasn't going out at all. The only times I managed to go out were to go grocery shopping with one of my best friends, which honestly brought me so much joy and just a breather during a very, very high stress, high fear time. And still to this day, I remember those those very particular instances of going out with so much joy and so much love because it was truly the only time I had to get out of the house and sort of not feel as scared and not feel as uncertain and feel a sense of normalcy at a time where everything was so scary and so uncertain. Even the building gym was closed. Like they really shut down everything. I mean, we know this. And going out to even places in my own building weren't even a possibility. And so I got used to being a homebody. I went from being somebody who was very active, somebody who was very social, somebody who was labeled as a debate kid, as a theater kid, as a makeup artist, to doing nothing. I really couldn't do any of the things I loved. I tried to find ways with doing online masterclasses, but nothing really panned out in the way that I perhaps would have expected. And so that meant staying home all day, reading all day, watching movies and TV shows, and obviously kickstarting an entirely new platform, which was YouTube for me. Well, it wasn't entirely new, but doing it for books was entirely new. And that would later become my job. So now not only were we limited in terms of when we could go out, but also now I was working from home. So 
it was a, an added incentive to not go out because that meant that I could just stay home, film a video, edit a video, read for a video. I really had no need to go out except for the absolute most necessary things. And that was something I'd never done before. That was most definitely something I was not used to. And to top it all off, as if the loneliness, as if the being locked up basically wasn't enough, I felt sad all the time. I was not wanting to get out of bed a lot of the time, not wanting to get up from the couch. I felt no motivation at times to do just like everyday things, you know, make the bed, do the laundry, a lot of the times shower. And it's just a very real thing that happens to a lot of people. And although I had experienced at times in my life disorderly eating, I developed an eating disorder during the panini and it only made things harder because I was adjusting to the very harsh reality we were all living in. And then smaller than that, but even it felt bigger, I was dealing with my own reality, which was also something I never really experienced. And so flash forward, regulations were lifted, but nothing really changed for me. Like I can't have been the only one that was as terrified as I was to go out because I did not want to go out to the real world. I felt like something devastating and absolutely terrible was going to happen. Like the fear mongering was really, really big. It also didn't help that my mom was very much scared. She was like, don't go out, put on your face mask. Like just as a little story time for you guys, I had never heard before the panini started, but when people were starting, when there were whispers, when they were starting to talk about the vids, I had not heard of that because at the time there was also rumors of World War III. So I was, just, it was a crazy time, but I hadn't heard of it quite yet. And so I really just remember my brother and I going out grocery shopping. And I really do think that it's just one of those things that everybody will remember what they were doing and where they were at when this one news dropped. We were out grocery shopping and I remember walking into the supermarket. That shit felt like a fucking dystopian novel, okay? Everybody was wearing masks. My brother and I were certainly not. There were people with carts full of Lysol and Febreze. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? Toilet paper just hoarding things. I was very confused. And I was like, what in the world is this? Felt like I was like straight up and like divergent, divergent, divergent or the Hunger Games, just straight up dystopian. We pay for our groceries. We get on the Uber to go back home and I get a call from my mom. She's like, where the fuck are you guys? And I'm like, we're coming back from grocery shopping. Where are you? Why are you calling? She's like, from now on, y'all don't leave the house. And I was like, I'm sorry. And she's like, yeah, no, 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 no. The vids is here, is now. You guys can't go out. And so throughout the entire locked up situation, my brother and I were like very scared. I think I was like the most scared out of everybody because it was being projected a lot, not only by the media, but my mom was just like very strong with the fours when it came to like the paranoia. And so... Again, nothing changed for me when regulations starting started to lift because I was like, oh, I still can't go out. We're still at the height of it all. So just not going. Again, I had no need to go out. So we're not going to go out. And 
My job, again, definitely supported the idea of me staying home. I had no issues with it. I had no qualms with it. I was just, like we say in Spanish, déjame tranquila, estoy aquí bien tranquila. Leave me alone, I am good here. I felt, and I sometimes still do, I'm not going to lie to you guys, I still do feel sometimes like I, I've lost parts of myself because of the mental health battles I faced in these past few years. You know, I felt like I, I couldn't dress in a certain way and I felt insecure in my own body. And I, again, had no motivation to get up from the couch or from the bed sometimes. And even answering people's texts and calls started to be very difficult for me. I would look at all of the messages come in and I'd just be like, oh, I'd answer it later. I'll look at it later. And then I never would. Days would go by and weeks would go by. And whereas I feel... The Panini brought a lot of people closer to each other because it was the only lifeline we had. Once it got to the middle and towards the fizzling out part of it, I started isolating myself more than I was before. And I was out of touch with family members and with friends. And it was so unlike myself because I loved FaceTime calls. And I loved, again, meeting up with my friends and texting them. I am a voice note person, okay? I am the friend that will literally send you, and some people call that annoying, to each their own. However, I am the type of friend that will literally send you an eight-minute, 10-minute voice message just like updating you about my day. I'll go like, oh my God, this happened today, and this also happened, and can you believe I'm so annoyed? I'm that type of person, and I always have been, but during that time, even that was a part of myself I felt I had lost. And so I almost started seeing myself as a fragmented individual, I kept separating the idea of Melanie, me, the person, my legal name, and then Meloniki, who is the makeup persona side of myself, the, the girl who went to makeup school and, and got a certificate and then came back and worked with some of her favorite makeup brands and networked and really bust her ass, even though everybody was telling me that I was much too young and I knew nothing about makeup to be doing anything revolving that. The person who built a platform and who was very much in love with the idea of putting makeup on others and passing off, passing on that knowledge I had about makeup. And then the Mel side of me, which was the reader, the quote unquote intellectual side of me. Mel was also what they called me when I did leadership programs. And I actually quite felt identified by the nickname of Mel. It was my preferred way of being called because it was something I was choosing. My mom always called me like Melanie or my second name, Nicole, when she was angry or when she was about to like reprimand me. So Mel felt very safe for me. Whereas Meliniki was also a name that people would use to undermine me and put me down for my age and building myself as a professional. Again, Mel felt safe and I felt like I mattered, like I was doing something that had weight. And so when I started my YouTube channel for books, I was like, yeah, Mel reads because I feel the most safe and the most identified when I use this side of my name. And I kept, again, fragmenting different sides of me instead of just allowing myself to be wholly me without seeing these episodic sides to who I am and keeping them separate because I am all of those things. And I truly think there's something big to be said about the panini even 
not allowing me in particular, and maybe some of you guys feel the same way, but it sort of wasn't allowing me to look at things very clearly. There wasn't a before or an after for me. I was still very much in this headspace. So I still very much thought that I was a homebody, that I couldn't go out, that I wasn't talking to friends, that I didn't want to talk to people, that I didn't want that social interaction. And I kept kind of seeing the before and the during, but not the after part of it. And it had never quite clicked for me that life had started again. And I was seeing it very blatantly with people in my life who were going out and were going to parties even. And they were going out to eat and they were going out to the movies. But I wasn't doing any of those things in fear of something that at, at that point in time was almost kind of not necessarily imaginary, but it was a lot harder for it to occur at the same rate that it was happening before. And so the present, the after had never, I guess, manifested itself into my life. I never really clicked into the life is so different now because even though, you know, you can still get the vids, the regulations are up. You can now go out places without a face mask. You can comfortably go out to eat and comfortably go out to the movie theater. And I, my head was still there. I wasn't really realizing how much my life and my responsibilities were different. I wasn't allowing myself to see that. And then I did. I saw it. And it kind of flashes me back to this poem from Rupees, which is coincidentally a part of her home buddy poetry collection. And it's on page 131. And she says, I am waking up from the longest night of my life. It's been years since I've seen the sun. And suddenly it kind of hit. Hearing that tarot reading about letting go of these labels and letting go of everything you've you've built yourself or allowed yourself to believe that you are or that people have granted you, it is a time for you to be just fluid. And it kind of flashed me back to something even my friends have called me out for, which is just like, no, you're not just Mel. You're not just Melaniki. You're not just Mel's, which is something my friends also called me. You're not just like all of those things separate but you like you're melanie like you are all of those things you're everything kind of everywhere all at once and part of the reason why i'm talking about it today is because i really hadn't come to terms or realized that this was something that i was doing it it really at the end of the day was me kind of shedding skin building a new persona and felt like each name needed its own different personality instead of just being and, you know, when people call you out, you kind of don't want to realize those things in that moment because it's it's easier to embrace the denial than to embrace the fact that others may be seeing you more genuinely than you see yourself. And it was very easy for me to step into that denial of like, I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about. But it's true. I, I kept separating these different sides of me. And I kept telling myself that if I was just doing makeup, then I, I couldn't be talking about books. And it's almost this philosophy of like niche down so much that you have not only a niche, but like you have this very specific topic you're talking about so that you attract like-minded people. But it kind of flashes also back to the first episode, which is we're not only readers, we're not only the books that we read, we're not only the makeup that we put on our faces, we're, we're, we're multifaceted, we, we like many a different thing, and I wasn't 
allowing myself to be that. And it was kind of a hard hit because I thought that I still liked all of these things and that I was kind of portraying all of those things still, not only in, in my socials, but in my personal life. And the truth was that I wasn't, not only because I had a very complicated relationship with makeup, I was coming from a place where, again, I was being undermined a lot. And not only was I being undermined a lot, but I was also being reduced to my looks. And of course, aesthetics is a big part of doing makeup. Like people will compliment the makeup look and the eyeshadow work and the eyeliner and stunning, perfect, beautiful, never seen before. And all of those things are great. However, it felt very empty at times. And I felt like there was nothing of real substance beyond the makeup look. And obviously, it was a really cool skill to have and a really cool skill to share with people. And I was a very big advocate, particularly with my makeup clients and with the classes I was holding was... I was, I kept telling people, you know, makeup to me is about your features, but better. It's not about covering it all up and then building a new face. It's about enhancing what you already have and feeling empowered in that. But still, to me, I felt like I wasn't living up to what I could. And so I wanted to change that so bad that I switched to books. I wasn't realizing at the time and I'm increasingly realizing now that all I was doing by switching to books and, and starting a platform with that was limiting myself yet again to this one unique facet of me without talking about everything else that I felt encapsulated me as a person and my existence, I guess. And I kept running away from other parts of me without working with them and embracing them and obviously developing an eating disorder and body dysmorphia only made the makeup side of things more difficult because I developed a very tricky relationship with makeup where I didn't want to share it online. Like I had no issue putting it on. However, I didn't want to share the step-by-step -step because I no longer felt very comfortable in my body. And I was still getting acquainted with this new me. And I was very much still being plagued by all of these beauty standards that it made it very difficult to feel comfortable and feel happy with the body I was in. And instead of honoring my body and really realizing that it got me to where I was and that it was still holding me up and it was keeping me awake and working and, you know, thriving... I, I kind of felt ashamed in a way because people knew me for one thing and then I had changed and then, you know, the the commentary and the, the rhetoric surrounding me was very, very, very specific and very different to what I looked. And so became increasingly difficult and increasingly easier for me to just let go of that side and not show it to the world, not do anything with it and adopt this new persona. And I guess where I'm trying to get at is that I have no fucking idea what I'm doing and I have no fucking idea where we're going. But I guess taking the time to go out and do small things like 
going out and grabbing a coffee, sitting at a cafe and working or reading or meeting up with a friend or going to the deli or to the grocery store, taking myself out on dates again, even to fancy restaurants or to events and allowing myself and and providing myself with these spaces to feel good and beautiful instead of kind of like being a couch potato. I think that's a good place to start. And I very recently also read Every Heart a Doorway by Seanan Maguire. And a quote kind of stuck with me. And it was, I'm old enough to know what I'm losing in the process of being found. And I guess it was a really nice way of looking at this this progress that we've made and this line we're currently threading, which is unifying all parts of me and losing all of these different misconceptions I have of myself and of what I should be. And although that's scary, it's scary to confront yourself and kind of admit the things that you've already been hearing about Mel, you're not just this one thing. Mel, why do you keep pretending like this is not something you love? And admitting that it is a part of the fear and that that needs work in order to get better. I think that it makes it a little bit less scary to know that I am doing that in order to find that version of myself that is wholly me. So you know we're currently trying to find the right ingredients to make a very delicious smoothie. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to tell myself. And I'm just trying to tell myself that it's okay of letting go. And it's okay to let go of the things that don't serve me in order to stay true to who I am. And that can only be done through healing. And that can only be done through confrontation and hardship, I think, because confronting yourself is never easy and the process of healing is never easy. It's never linear, but I hope we can get there in due time, just taking small steps and continuing to appreciate the little things and sort of romanticize life for both the big and the small things that it's got to offer and hope that that takes us to the right place. We don't know the way to the destination, but at least we know the destination. So even with pit stops, you know, it's not a one-way flight. (laughs) It's not a one-way trip, but hopefully we'll make our way there very, very soon. So that's kind of it. That's kind of all I have for you guys today. I kind of echo the feeling I had on the very first episode of let there be a lot of just being and having fun and learning how to, I guess, live again in a very crazy way of phrasing it. It sounds kind of crazy and kind of wild, but that's sort of how I feel sometimes. So there's that. That's this episode of the pod. I hope that you guys enjoyed this one. I hope that you can find it somewhat comforting that other people feel this way if you have felt this way before and that we both find ourselves in our proper destinations, whether on the same flight or on different ones. (laughs) I love you guys so, so much. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to follow the pod on Spotify and Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. And if you want to check me out in other places, I do have a YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash malreads. And if you want to support the pod or the channel further, I do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash malreads. So you know where to find me. I love you guys so much. And 
I will see you next week. Okay, bye.